everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, as you can see, I'm getting into the habit of more regularly uploading a podcast episodes. Hooray! I am so happy to be doing this. So today's topic is one of the original topics I had in mind when I decided to create this podcast. Um, it's all about crystals. Um, I wanted to wait a bit and really do some research and do some reading and jot down some notes because I didn't want this to just be an episode where it's like, this stone is for love, this stone is for money. I wanted to actually talk about why we use crystals, where this notion that these shiny rocks from the ground have any sort of abilities or powers, you know, and I, some of my friends that even may be listening to this episode are probably rolling their eyes and laughing. Um, some of them, even in the spiritual and metaphysical communities, don't believe that crystals do anything. So I wanted to address some of the things that I've, you know, some of the arguments that I've heard against the use of crystals. Um, One of the ones that I've heard, for example, is how uh, crystals in today's world, you know, they're pretty much like mass uh, harvest, uh, not harvested, they're pretty much uh, mass mined. And, um, you know, of course, this leads to the exploitation of the peoples that are actually in the mines getting them and polishing them and cutting them and all these things, you know, and, and use the use of child labor in some parts of the world to get crystals. Um, but the first part that I want to start off with today is where this notion that crystals uh, have any sort of healing powers, where do they come from? You know, is this just like a new age, basic white bitch thing? Or have people been using them and with some of the reading that I did and this is through different books online all different things um, I found that ancient cultures from around the world actually had crystals and, and used them in various forms now when I say that they used crystals I don't mean that they use them in the maybe the typical ways that we think of using them where like we hold them when when we meditate or we place them on different parts of our body perhaps even lining up with chakras or you know things like that um so I'll start with one of the more obvious ones which is the ancient egyptians so the ancient egyptians uh they used crystals in a lot of in a variety of ways They buried loved ones with quartz over their third eye to assist in afterlife navigation. They used red carnelian in a powdered form. Uh, They would drink it in different uh, liquids and elixirs to help aid in the physical healing of the body. Uh, Stones such as lapis lazuli were used in colorful makeup and it was used to help promote their psychic abilities. Um, That's why a lot of the times when we think of the ancient Egyptians, we think of like their very colorful and vibrant 
eye makeup. And that was the reason, one of the reasons why they, they did that. Um, and of course, they used stones. They would embed them in their religious tools, like their scepters and all of these other things. And it was to balance the various energies within their physical bodies and spiritual bodies and to connect them with their deities. So this is an example of one of the uses that we think of in modern times with crystals, that it connects us with our spiritual selves and with the spiritual realm. Now, the ancient Romans uh, used crystals in a variety of ways. I noticed that they used them a lot when it came to their deities and using them in protective amulet, amulets. So, for example, um, they would use different stones um, in their religious tools and in their, uh, their temples, and they assigned... Uh, crystals to their different deities. So for example, when they wanted to worship Sol, they would use heliotrope. Uh, Jupiter was represented by Cal uh, Chalcedony. Mars was red jasper. Bacchus was amethyst. So it seemed like a lot of their major gods had a stone uh, assigned to them. And so when they wanted to pray or worship or perhaps even... Uh, I, I guess it was like a physical embodiment of their of their gods that they could affix or have with them on their person to ensure that they were close to them. Now, ancient Rome um, had a tradition that every baby that survived birth was given a special talisman. Um, Roman boys were given something called bullas nine days after birth. Now, if you look it up, they usually look like... Um, penises and it's of course to symbolize the protection and it's also to make sure that the boys of course were virile and fertile as they grew up. Girls, Roman girls were given something a little different. Um, they're called, they were called lunulas. I'm I may be totally mispronouncing it but it's L-U-N-U-L-A's and if you were to Google them and you look at them, they're more what we would associate with like a crystal kind of necklace. Um, they would be like sometimes like a gold or a brass kind looking kind of uh, amulet and they would have chain links of different crystals and stones such as agate. So I thought that was really interesting that the ancient Romans really seemed to use crystals almost like in a way that we think of now in the modern western world uh, now we go to ancient greece so the word crystal actually comes from the greek word crystalos i'm totally mispronouncing that and i apologize to my best friend from greece <laughs> who's probably not even listening to this but i'm terribly sorry to any greek people listening but that word in uh, ancient Greek means ice. And a lot of the ancient Greeks, they believed that these stones, such as clear quartz, uh, quartz, which was, you know, you, you, it's a very clear white looking stone. They actually thought that it was eternal ice that fell from the heavens. So this was something that was very, you know, sacred and special to them, that it was actually a piece of something that they had. Now, there's also, I thought was very interesting, there is a, an ancient Greek myth involving Dionysus, Dionysus where he fell in love with a woman uh, named Amethyst, but he, she rejected him. 
And he was so scorned by that, that he wanted to cause her harm. And that, um, I believe it was Athena turned Amethyst into a stone, into a clear white stone to protect her. And Dionysus was so angry and so upset by this that he he actually uh, spilled his wine, his goblet of wine, and the wine stained Amethyst. And that is why that Amethyst has that kind of purplish color today. So that's how they explained uh, why Amethyst looks the way that it does, which I thought was really cool. I thought that was a really cool story. Ancient Japan is has on record that they used crystals to scry and that even some crystal spheres were considered a representation of the hearts of dragons. Um, Hindus, ancient Hindus, uh, Hindus in ancient India, they have the most extensive use of crystals on record anywhere in the world. Um, the ancient texts, the Vedas depict healing crystals and their specific healing properties, which ties into how we do things here now, today in the Western world, uh, in this kind of new agey thing where, you know, you see some random blonde white lady with poorly formed dreadlocks and she says here take a rose quartz it'll help heal you and give you and heal your broken heart you know it 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 kind it's interesting how you can see in all of these ancient cultures from around the world how we take some of things here we kind of cherry pick them here in the modern world when it comes to crystal healing so now, what I wanted to talk about also is um, what are exactly crystals and how could they possibly work in healing people, whether it's on a physical or even a spiritual sense? So I'll start off by saying what exactly is a crystal? So in its most basic uh, explanation that I could give, a crystal really is just a bunch of minerals that are formed in a specific way that gives them their shape, color, and other properties, like their hardness, um, their clarity, all different kinds of things like that. Crystals are almost... They're the same minerals, just in different ratios and makeup, and how those different minerals... Um, bond and elements really uh, bond together is what gives them their shape and um, what they call uh, in science their cleavage so how they're actually cut um, diamonds I mean the easiest way to describe to kind of describe it is look at diamonds and think of um, you know how we measure diamonds their carrot their their cut their clarity their color, all of those things. Diamonds are, in their most basic sense, they are a crystal. They are just one that we happen as a society to assign a lot of value to. So we don't typically think of them as a, a crystal like a citrine or a rose quartz or something or a selenite, you know, but all gems, they are crystals. That's exactly what it is. So crystals believe it or not, are also found in the human body. Except in medicine, we call them things like liths. So think like tonsil lith, 
um, otolith, which are crystals that form in the inner ear. Tonsillith are the ones that form on your tonsils. Um, if they form in the kidneys, we call them calculi or calculus uh, for plural. Um, those are kidney stones and bladder stones. Um, sometimes when crystals form in the body, they cause pain. You know, obviously like kidney stones or bladder stones, anyone who's ever had those can tell you. Same with gallstones. Um, and sometimes when they form in the inner ear, they call it, they could make us dizzy. What I think is so interesting, though, is while I was doing my research, science is actually uh, starting to look at these crystallizations in the body and they're studying their structures to try and synthesize medicine to prevent or minimize their formation, which if you think about it, this is literally a form of crystal healing. You are taking the crystals that are forming in the body analyzing their structure and then creating medicine out of literal crystals to heal the physical body. So if you really want to be a smart ass about it, crystals actually do promote healing. There you go. Science is on our side, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but obviously we're not really here to talk about, you know, the sciencey aspect of it. We're really here to talk about the more metaphysical side. And in the metaphysical sense, um, we're also relying on the minerals in the crystals. Crystals are said to really work via vibrations. So remember earlier I said, you know, we have the same minerals in our body composition as crystals. And we do. All living things have these, you know, we need certain vitamins and minerals and minerals make up vitamins. They make up our entire bodily structure, our composition. And they make up the structure of, say, like our skeletons, okay? Um, in various religions and, and cultures, uh, this is kind of symbolized in how they describe how man and how humans are formed. For example, in the book of Genesis in the Bible, God formed the man of the dust of the ground. And I do remember in school learning about, I believe it was the Iroquois, but I'm not going to be that concrete on it. I do remember there was a Native American creation myth where man was actually baked from the clay of the earth. And that is to describe the various skin tones of humans is that, you know, those of us who were, weren't cooked long enough, we don't, we, we are a little on the lighter side and, uh, and vice versa. So I thought that was very interesting that in various cultures, maybe they're not talking about the stones themselves or minerals because they didn't really know that that existed back then, but they're saying that we came from the ground the same as these stones. So the minerals and crystals, just like the the atoms in our body, which everything, including minerals, are made up of atoms, they vibrate on a certain level. Now we know this, if atoms are constantly moving, they're constantly vibrating. If you really think about it, every living thing is just a bunch of atoms vibrating essentially next to one another, on top of one another, etc. So these crystals are said to be able to affect this and help right the vibrations of the body 
to help ease ailments such as anxiety, depression, and even help some forms of physical pain. And they're also said to be able to protect your R from other people's energies because Again, all energies have, a, you know, a vibration, you know, they have like a megahertz level. So if your crystal is on the same level as you, or I guess it, it can affect the level of the vibration if it's in your space and in your area. So with that being said, now, obviously, they haven't really done any scientific studies, or if they have, they've kind of concluded that you know, crystals can't cure diseases. And I agree with that. I don't believe that crystals can cure you of anything. Do I use crystals in healing? Yes, I use them with my Reiki clients during Reiki sessions. Um, sometimes I use them to uh, help cleanse a space, like I mentioned in the previous episode. And I do use some of them for protection. Um, I am also, in addition to Maltese descent, I am also Italian descent on my mother's side. So, hey, I guess it kind of came down through the ancient Roman way, right? From the Etruscans and everybody, right? Um, when I use crystals in my Reiki sessions, my clients have said that they can tell when they're being used because they actually physically feel a small, either a vibration or a wave. They actually physically feel something coming from the stone depending where they are on the body. Um, when it comes to healing though, that this doesn't mean that I would say rub a blue lace agate stone on my neck when I have strep throat. No, I would go to a doctor and yes, I would take antibiotics if prescribed. I personally believe that ancient medicines have a place in the modern world and that they are all most effective when they are balanced. Um, I don't believe that crystals should take the place necessarily of modern medicine, um, but I do feel that they can at least help in some way to ease symptoms. Um, I feel, in my personal opinion, and it's been in my experience, I find that they tend to help the more emotional and uh, uh, not mental, but I guess spiritual, like those kinds of ailments, like they do ease anxiety. I do feel they kind of uplift the mood, which is why I like to use them more in uh creating a positive environment and cleansing a space and use them in protection rather than actually use them say for a healing kind of purpose okay so now let's say you've listened to my podcast and thought wow crystals are really for me what crystal should i get well if you believe that they have different properties for the you know, specific structure that they are. Um, here are some examples for of some of my personal favorites. Some of them are on this list, and I just tried to compile some for the most common, uh, the most common uh, uses for crystals that people would like to have them. So now again, some of these crystals you can uh, keep them. Like, for example, if you're a woman like me, you can keep them in your bra and, uh, you know, close to you to, so you reap the benefits that way. You can hold them while you meditate. 
you there's a lot of ways to use them you're gonna have to look up and and really decide what works best for you sometimes you just want to have them in a space and just to kind of balance out the energy that's totally fine too uh so one of the ones for example let's say you're kind of already into crystals but you are looking to you know maybe increase like your psychic ability or your ability to connect to others and things like that um amethyst i find has been the most powerful for me I really like using it. It has a very calm, gentle kind of energy to it. I don't feel like it's uh, intense. Um, and one tip that I had a mentor tell me is you can take a glass of water, put an amethyst in it, wait a little bit, and then drink the water. Obviously, please be careful. Do not choke on your amethyst. That is such a dumb way to go. Please, please, please. I prevent this by not leaving the amethyst in there when I want to drink it or if I do you get a really big chunk of amethyst so that when you drink it it smacks you in the face pro tip (laughs) um let's see okay so let's go with uh money and prosperity and abundance what stones should you have with you so I know when I did um the arts in the plaza uh, fair that my arts and crafts fair I did last summer um, with all of my candles and it was really really successful I use citrine and I would put a citrine in my cash box and that was like my way of attracting customers and hey it worked I use citrine in my money oil it's I I never go wrong with citrine, maybe because it's very similar to my birthstone or depending on whatever resource you're looking at, it is my birthstone. Maybe it's just my personal lucky stone, but citrine is known to bring uh, prosperity and abundance to those who have it. Tiger's eye is also a really, really good one. Um, I feel like tiger's eye is a little bit more versatile when it comes to money in the sense that it's not that you just get money coming to you, but they also it also seems to like make people around you like give you things or you get discounts or you find coupons. Like I find that tiger's eye really is like not just the abundance stone, but it's like also kind of like the save money stone. And then the third crystal I have for money and abundance is sunstone. It's also known as the success stone. And um, this one's also really good. I really haven't used sunstone for this purpose, so I can't personally speak on it. But I have read in a lot of resources that sunstone is very good for attracting money. So now let's go to protection. Yay! This is a very important thing. A lot of people use crystals, myself included, uh, for protection. I feel like it's the most important purpose to have. Um, some protection stones can also be used to kind of like balance out an energy in a space, um, especially like if you're in a work environment that is stressful or like let's say you have a coworker or a manager that you don't really get along with and you're kind of worried about your job stability, these are the stones that you want to have in your space to to protect you 
from anything that goes on. So the first one, which is my personal favorite that I have quite a bit of, is black tourmaline. Um, the version that I have, you can get them as like a polished stone, but I really like kind of like the raw hunks of it that like, you know, piece by piece, it kind of breaks off. Um, it, it is a very delicate stone. This is not a crystal that you want to cleanse in sea salt. I personally find that my black tourmaline never really needs to be cleansed. Um, and you know that black tourmaline is working because uh, a couple of times I've had to get new ones because it really saved my ass from a really scary situation and it promptly promptly shattered into like five pieces and it wasn't near anything so it definitely works and is powerful selenite does that as well um, but selenite you can also use for cleansing which is the next topic I'll go into so number one we have black tourmaline number two snowflake obsidian Snowflake obsidian is nice. I feel like it's just like the prettier version of black tourmaline. Um, it does pretty much the same thing. You can get a lot of black, uh, snowflake obsidian jewelry. Black obsidian is the same thing, except snowflake just has cute little white flecks on it, so hence its name. Um, so those two, black obsidian and snowflake obsidian. Obsidian in itself is really good for protecting. They're also a really good grounding stone because obsidian is what we call volcanic rock essentially and you know when it forms and it gets cool really fast and it's really shiny that's what obsidian is um think for all of my game of thrones fans uh that's dragon glass for us so you know think of it that way it's it literally comes from the earth from the center of the earth so you can't really get much more grounded than that and then finally, Labradorite. I haven't used it. It is a beautiful little stone, um, but it is said to be a very powerful protector, um, especially from more like spiritual uh, attacks and energy, things like that. So cleansing. So the first one I mentioned, Selenite. It's my favorite cleansing stone. You don't have to cleanse this, and for the love of God, if even if you want to, do not put it in a cup of sea salt. You will get cloudy, milky water. I have seen it happen, and I laugh every single time. Selenite is really good. Selenite, you actually use to cleanse other stones. That's how good selenite is. Um, and much like black tourmaline, selenite breaks if somebody's trying to get at you spiritually or psychically or whatever and that's how you know it worked it took the hit for you thank it bury it in the ground get another one moonstone is also very good for cleansing um you know you can think of it moonstone uh sorry moonstone also helps a lot uh when it comes to psychic things um some of my friends that are tarot card readers they actually put a moonstone in the bag with their tarot cards or their oracle cards um but it's also very good for cleansing um I guess that's why they have the moonstone in there it's to like cleanse the cards in between readings and things like that and then finally, lepidolite is really good for cleansing. Um, lepidolite is really more used, though, to cleanse, like, 
your spiritual self and it's really good for healing um like bad habits and like emotional trauma i caution anybody to use lepidolite uh i've used it before like i've had it like in my bra a couple of times and i just wanted to cry the entire day um it is a very remember how i said it's it, some stones have an intense energy that's lepidolite it's a pretty pinkish purplish stone with white you know with white patches on it um i really i i use caution in it not that like it's dangerous i know it sounds silly it's just it is a very intense stone and it brings up a lot of deep settled you know within you kind of feelings so I would use this stone if you are truly 100% ready to heal from past issues and break cycles and break habits and all that sort of stuff. And then two other stones that I will mention, um, or really two other purposes. One is for clear communication Turquoise is really good for this, and blue lace agate. Really, any blue kind of stone is good because that's the the color of the the throat chakra, and so it has like that same energy to it, that same vibrational level. Blue lace agate, I feel like, is a much calmer stone to use than turquoise. Turquoise, I feel like, is more like, hey, I have an opinion and I want people to know it and I want to have the chance to express it. Whereas I feel like blue lace agate's energy is more like, I have something to say, but I want to make sure that it is clear and concise and that there's no misunderstanding because I don't want to have a fight. I just want to have a discussion kind of a, of a stone. Um, so blue lace agate, I've used... Um, Blue lace agate I've had in my pocket when I've had to make presentations because as you have can hear from this episode and previous episodes of my podcast, I tend to trip over my words sometimes and uh, I think sometimes it's just my mind goes faster than my head. So uh, my mind goes faster than my head. See, my mind goes faster than my mouth. <laughs> um, I'm... St- I haven't gotten my crystals like all in order yet, so I'm a little out of it. Um, But yeah, I've used that for presentations and it kind of just gives me a little bit more confidence to knowing, you know, like I kind of like, you know, just sometimes I'll have it even in my hand, you know, people can't see it and I can kind of like rub it almost like a worry stone and I feel like that calms me a little bit. Um, And then for love... Um, obviously the most obvious one is rose quartz. Um, I don't really use stones for this purpose. I feel like love is something that is just natural. I mean, yes, like crystals are natural because they're rocks from the, from the soil, but like rose quartz I think is important in that kind of thing because it helps you love yourself and you know what, you know, that is the most important part um rose quartz i is has like a really nice calming gentle energy too um 
and rose quartz I give to all of my my female friends after they have babies because it helps it's called the mothering stone and it really helps ease you know the healing from childbirth so I that's that I associate rose quartz more with like feminine energy and mothers and women and things like that not so much with love but I mean I guess hey like you know in ancient mythology you know Venus and Aphrodite are associated with love and they're like sort of like the most divine feminine energies that you can think of so it makes sense that you know rose quartz would be associated with that as well so now that we've talked about the history of crystals and potentially how crystals work, let's say you got your crystals. What do you do with them? So one of the things that you should do with crystals is you should cleanse them on at least a semi-regular basis. Um, there's no really hard and fast rule about how you should do it or how often you should do it, just that you generally should do it. Um, there's many ways. However, you really have to understand the type of stone that you have and how each method affects them. So for example, one way to cleanse a crystal is you can take a little glass of water, not a plastic cup, an actual glass of water, put a little bit of sea salt in there, and you could put the crystals in there. However, you have to be careful. So for example, you definitely wouldn't want to do this with, say, selenite or black tourmaline because it'll eat away at it and then it'll actually dissolve in the water unless you want to drink it but you really shouldn't drink salt water because that will make you dehydrated and make you form crystals in your kidneys which is really really painful the second method i know of cleansing crystals is using sunshine you can just place them out in this you know in the sun Usually, like if you have a deck or a porch, you can lay them out there. If you don't have that, if you're like me and you live in an apartment building now, you could leave them out on the windowsill and it will not only cleanse them, but charge them. However, you have to be careful what kind of crystal you have because you definitely do not want to put citrine and charge it in the sun because the properties of citrine, it actually refracts the sunlight and it gets really hot. And believe it or not, you can actually start a fire using citrine, which is why I don't put citrine chips in any of my candles because they are very hostile when it comes to heat and flame and sunshine and all types of that. It, they will actually crack and pop and explode. So don't, you definitely don't want to do that with citrine. So again, uh, if you have certain crystals, you definitely want to read up on their properties before doing any of these methods for cleansing. Another method, the opposite of sunshine, is the moonlight. Um, some say to do it, uh, to charge on them on the full moon. Again, you could leave them on the windowsill, on the porch, wherever they can just bathe in the pale moonlight. Um, it will charge them, cleanse them, all that good stuff. And the final method that I know of, number four, is you can actually bury the crystals in the soil for 24 hours. 
what better way to charge a stone that came from the earth than putting it back into the earth where it can soak up all of the mirror uh the minerals and the vibrations from the earth and kind of recharge it and that will do it for this episode of alley cat's corner um i hope you're all doing well Hopefully my next episode will be up shortly after this one and I can keep the ball rolling with this. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you found it informative. Um, I know crystals lately have been kind of getting a bad rap in the metaphysical community. Um, I still use them. I like them. They work for me. Again, like anything else, every this is something that's personal and what works for you may not work for me and what works for me may not work for you. And that's totally cool. So if you have any input on crystals and what you feel are their properties, or maybe you don't feel like they have any properties at all, at all, I would love to hear from you. You can get on the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm slash alleycat, A-L-L-E-Y-C-A-T, and shoot me a message and let me know, hey, I don't use crystals, or hey, I really love crystals. Either way, I'd really love to hear from you, and I'd like to hear what are some of the ones that you like to use. Or if you're not a crystal person, what do you really like to use instead? As always, thanks for listening and have a great day, guys. Okay, take care.